All right, so uh, next week we've got kind of a, a big episode planned with like a bunch of uh, different shows we got to cover that it's going to take a little while. So I thought uh, for this week we just do something smaller and kind of quick, which is kind of how our older episodes were when we started doing this TV journey. We'd just watch an episode of something, talk about it for 10 minutes. <laughs> They've gotten progressively longer and more complicated. But for this week, I just happened to have this on me and I was like, oh, this could make an interesting podcast because I had this with me because I was going to show it to my cousin because this is back to anime land where every once in a while we do an anime, except this time it's actually dubbed. So that might be a little easier than subtitles because <laughs> we've watched some weird, obscure crap that is only subtitled. So, uh, so I mean, that'll be interesting right away because dubbed anime is so weird. I mean, generally, I like the subtitles better because Japanese acting is so over the top by our standards, but it fits in Japan. But then you get some American voice actors to try to match that energy and it feels weird. You and know? sometimes they have that little whiny voice, they're real up high and yeah. hopefully, hopefully they're not gonna be like that. They'll just try to speak normally. In this case, because there's actually the female character in this show doesn't even speak and the guy is his, uh, I don't know, he's like, he's on the spectrum or something. <laughs> it's like, a, it's a weird show. But yeah, generally, I, I generally prefer subtitles myself, but I figured since there was a dub of this, it's just easier for us to watch it with the dub. So, uh, so I've got the dub. But this is a show called High Score Girl, and it's set in the 90s, and it's about a kid who's obsessed with video games. And it's so accurate to the time and like all the video games are proper and when they came out and what their cultural impact was and all this kid cares about is video games. He doesn't care about school. Oh, he couldn't be a child of the 90s unless he was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's where I thought this might be a little interesting to watch is just because the, you know, I mean, we had kicking around our house. I remember a, I'm, I don't know if you remember this thing, but it was a Radio Shack version of Pong. Do you remember that yes, device? Yes, I remember Pong. That's the only video game I could ever play. Right. I wasn't even good at that. Yeah, and... Uh, Simplicity at its best. Yeah, which, I mean, I think is true. I mean, there's something to be said for that. I mean, nowadays, video games are very complicated, but they're not necessarily better. Like, I still think if you had to pick all-time best video game, it would probably be Tetris, just because it's so perfect in its design. And the thing with Pong, Pong is relaxing. You just sit back there with your little paddle and... Bong, bong, bong. Right. That's it. There's no thinking or strategy or you've got to defeat this devil and what happens if you open that door and oh, there's none of that, which is stressful. Right. No, it, it, Pong is just relaxing. But I always thought that was interesting that that was what was in our house because that was a little bit before my time, but essentially my generation lined up perfectly with video games. I mean, like you can't start much closer to the bottom than Pong. And then I got to see when I was a kid, it was, you know, Space Invaders and Pac-Man. And by the time the Nintendo came out, games were getting more complicated. All the way up to now, where when I was in Toronto, I played, uh, one of my friends had a VR setup, you know, where you put the mask on your face and it's like you're in the virtual world. And I got terrible motion sickness from it, but it was amazing. And it's like, wow, like from Pong to this. Yeah, it grew with you as you, as you matured, so did the games. Yeah, and it's an interesting way to kind of keep tabs on technology and just how the human race is advancing because it's a little bit abstract when you just look at scientific achievements and whatever. But it, you can see it in video games. It's very obvious, like, hey, here, we're, we're, we're moving forward, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but what I thought was interesting about this in particular, this show set in the early 90s and, uh, again, just this kid who's obsessed with video games, is because 
my dad liked video games and he wanted to get video games for the house. But I think it's safe to say you, if you had your, your druthers, you would. I, yep, I was the one who said no. So, uh, too much, too much, too intense. So what, uh, I mean, did, did you guys come to some kind of compromise or did he just go Are buy video kidding? games? He snuck behind my back and just went and bought them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is kind of, in a way, why I kind of want to show you this show. I just got the first couple episodes. Because I think this is neat to see all these years later. Well, I always remember we were on like a family trip once in that big brown van that you guys used to have where it was kind of cool because you could set up the back to be like there was a table. You could set up table a Table and beds. It was, a, yeah, it was a, an overnight place. So I just remember in one of those little family journeys, we were blabbing about whatever, and... Uh, the game in particular was, uh, do you remember Space Harrier? You're like a, a back view, a guy flying around. Uh, maybe if I showed it to you, you remember. But I just remember you saying that uh, because, you know, all all me and my brother wanted to talk about or cared about was video games, that I remember you said, like, you know, when, when you kids grow up, I feel like, like you're going to have music on the radio is going to sound like Space Harrier because that's all you care about is video games. And that did kind of happen. I mean, they can go through all the different eras of music and how they sound like video games like that definitely happened but i thought this show is neat because this is like here's the art now that people from my generation are making like when people look back on their youth it's either like oh that was uh before the war how beautiful or that was the summer of love how beautiful where when i look back it's like that was when street fighter 2 came out how beautiful <laughs> and that's absolutely what this show is is about and i just think it's kind of neat because it's like uh i don't know just to kind of show in a bit because there's like examples of i just feel bad for kids who didn't get to have video games because they really you know i know that their parents thought they were doing the right thing but it's such an important part of our particular upbringing i've just had a thought i'm wondering as all this technology matures and you your generation matures when you're old and gray and you all, well, you won't all have, but some of you have Alzheimer's and dementia, and they say that you can't remember the present, you can't even remember what you had for lunch 10 minutes later, but you can remember the past with extreme detail. Will you remember those video games and how to play them? If not that, I mean, I have, I've heard stories about people who uh, are like unresponsive and have Alzheimer's, but then they hear a song from when they were a kid. So, I mean, that will almost undoubtedly happen. If I'm just sitting there and I haven't talked to anybody in 10 years, but then someone plays, I'm going to know what that is. You're going to right up. Or if they put the little controller in your hands and you can't, you're paralyzed, but your little fingers will just start. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Because, I mean, video games are quite demanding. Interesting to see how that unfolds. But I do think the music for sure. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I, I think that's, uh, I mean, I, I know what you mean, but it's just, yeah, it's, uh, video games are hard, especially old video games. Like, <laughs> you know, it would almost be sad if I tried to. <laughs> but, oh, well, they can give them all the Pong machines. Right. Yep, yep, yep. But, uh, yeah, so that idea of, of, you know, kids who didn't get to grow up with video games, there's the uh, really highfalutin examples, which are true, but stuff like macroscopic surgery, where you have to use a little joystick and a camera to go in and do surgery. You know, people who didn't grow up with video games, they can't do that shit. They don't have, you know, so it's funny that I, I just feel like a little vindicated by these parents who thought they were being righteous. And like, it's like uh, one of my friends in Toronto is going through this right now, but it's like screen time. Uh, kids can only watch TV so much time per day and just all this like well-meaning stuff. 
that your kid's not going to appreciate and probably isn't helping, you know? <laughs> and stuff like video games, it's funny that it's like, hi, now your kid can't be a surgeon. Nice going, <laughs> idiot. So this is not, though, not a highfalutin example like that. This isn't surgery. But this show is just a neat example of, you know, this is such a tribute to that time in, in our generation's life. Imagine if this guy had not been allowed to play video games as a kid. This whole show wouldn't exist. And it's just, I don't know, so it's just kind of neat, I think, in a, in a way to see, like, it all worked out okay. Of, like, I know it was annoying at the time, and you had all the, you know, your kids yelling about video games, and all the neighborhood kids yelling about video games, and sometimes your husband yelling about video games. But it was worth it in the end, because to us, this shit was important and was awesome. And this show is just a really good example of that. Would you say that that was the high point of video games? Like, have they gotten better? It's or, they've they've definitely changed. The, yeah, they've changed for sure. Well, the main thing that's different is back then, because it started in arcades. You know, video games were trying to kill you because they wanted the next quarter. Which is another thing I learned about. Man, these poor Japanese kids. I thought a quarter was a little expensive to play a game. It's like, hey, I could have gone for a dime. Would have been nice. In Japan, games were. 50 cents or a dollar and their their money traditionally is a little soft as well so you're spending a whole dollar so they had to get good to yeah. make that dollar last for real but yeah i felt bad about that almost i'm like oh my god like just to play space invaders we were spending a quarter and they were spending a dollar fuck <laughs> <laughs> but that's so neat too is that there's this maybe i'll talk about this more at the end about how there's this connection between america and japan through video games that's uh, very interesting that's not like other countries but i'll get to that after uh so anyway i've got a little bit of info about this but one thing i thought was extra interesting so okay i'll just give you the quick rundown high school girl a japanese manga by Rensuke oshikiri uh, ran from 2010 to 2018 as a comic it was nominated for a bunch of awards sold really well and it's uh, set in the 1990s, the story revolves around the life of gamer Haruo Yaguchi and his relationship with quiet gamer Akira Ono. It is known for its accurate depictions of the multitude of gaming software, hardware, and cultures that are featured. An anime series aired from 2018 to 2019, which is what this is. But what I also, because I was going to show you this anyway, because it's just, you know, it's like this guy is very obviously of my generation and it's just neat now, 30 years later, to see... The, the kind of artwork that's coming out of people that grew up with video games. But this dude, Rensuke Oshikiri, was born September 19th, 1979. Well, isn't that interesting? One freaking day after me. And I was going to say, too, do you remember what time of day I was born? About 10 o'clock at night. I remember it well. So you know what that means? I was wondering if it was daytime or nighttime. If it was nighttime... It was already September 19th in Japan, land of the rising sun. So me and this guy were actually born at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically the same day. I don't know what time of day he was born, but if he was born in the morning and I was born in the night, we were born at the same time. (laughs) So this is my, my brother from another culture. You know, this is my Japanese twin and uh yeah and you can really tell i mean this show it's a little weird because he he made his his bones before this doing uh horror stuff and you can kind of feel that this is not a horror show but it just the style is very strange and when i learned that he did horror stuff it made more sense but uh but yeah like this is the show i would have made if i grew up in japan and i got to make an anime because this guy is just the other me would have been you yeah (laughs) and it's funny too when you see this little this kid this guy from this uh this anime the real dude who made this show and this this comic, 
looks exactly the same. Just imagine this this anime character, same haircut and everything, but as a 40-year-old Japanese man, it's obviously him. <laughs> so I got the first two episodes of High Score Girl, and if anybody wants to watch these, they are available on Netflix. And yeah, I got a couple other dumb video game culture thoughts, but I'll save them until after, after we watch these. That's something real quick, is uh, when they were just going across the arcade cabinets and there was an ashtray and mm. cigarettes in it. That is something by the time I went and visited Japan, was only like 2019, that was pretty much gone. But pachinko parlors, which is basically just their version of uh, gambling places, you could still smoke in most of those. And there was a place, it's this pretty famous retro gaming store called Super Potato in Akihabara. And upstairs it has a couple of arcade machines and you could smoke there and I think it was kind of on purpose because people are nostalgic when they want to go be nostalgic for old gaming to them cigarettes are also part of the part of the deal which I think maybe in my very early memory of arcades there was a little bit of that around here but it didn't last because you know by the 1990s smoking was pretty well being wiped out in most places right Bingo Hall still had them. But. Yeah, my memory of like old school arcades is like there would always be some some teenager in his leather jacket who uh, smelled like cigarettes, but he wasn't allowed to smoke in the arcade. <laughs> Think of it. I remember when cigarettes were first banned, there were places. There was one over on uh, Regent Street, a little restaurant that's in there. Um, what they had to do is they had to set the video games, the machines, into this little box like a little small enclosure and you could smoke in there and you could have a beer in there but the rest of the restaurant couldn't as if as if that smoke didn't affect the rest of the restaurant right. you know what a joke but yeah all they all had to be enclosed in this small little room and you could smoke that didn't go on for very long they just cut them out completely but yeah, yeah i forgot i had forgotten that going to these restaurants and you couldn't find a seat but here'd be that little room over there that had a seat in it but you couldn't go in there and order food you just could play video games in yeah there. that was one thing yeah it was like weirdly nostalgic when i went to japan because like sometimes in toronto at an old coffee time or something it would be set up to have the smoking room but it hadn't been a smoking room in two decades uh, but in japan there were those places sometimes like it's just a coffee shop with the smoking room and yeah every time somebody opened the door the whole place smelled like smoke like it didn't work or even in the mall there was like the smoking room in the mall and uh yeah just that that sort of vague smell of smoke being around i was like oh i don't like it but it is it does remind me of the past but yeah that's a big thing in this of just like you know uh arcades in japan were especially seen as like that's for like delinquents you shouldn't be there you should be doing your studies <laughs> so but yeah just the, the cigarette thing is just like yeah that's a uh, sort of sort of different but a little semi-nostalgic kind of a weird show right <laughs> especially the thing with that that episode with the the phantom arcade that has been closed for four years like i do think at first he was 
leaning a lot more on his uh, previous work as like a horror guy. And it sort of is turning, as it goes on, it turns into more slice of life about video games. But I was thinking that's also a good one to have a, an English dub for because uh, there's so much video game jargon and it's all correct. Like when they're describing yeah, the turtling. dubbing was actually good. Yeah, I got used to it after a little bit. At first, it seems a little over the top, but that is also how that character is. Like, there's no other way to perform that guy. He's, he's ridiculous. No, I think the dubbing was probably right on because you could see by the facial expressions of the animated characters when you know you hear like a, the dubbing voice being really loud and intense. Well, but the facial expression matched it. Yeah, yeah, it's just a really yeah, it's just a bizarre. So even if it style. had been in Japanese, I think you'd still get that same intensity yeah, oh, of yeah. sound. I thought the dubbing was, was well done. And it's it, definitely a 90s show. <laughs> well, I just love, too, all that all that little stuff that just doesn't exist anymore. Like when they went to the candy store, because there's arcade machines there, like there used to be a convenience store. Uh, it's not there anymore, but, you know, like three or four blocks up this way on Union Street that ha- always had an arcade machine, and it would just be a different one all the time. So we went in there all the time just to play that. Or like there was a place in Marysville that didn't have a proper arcade, but they had like a Sega Genesis hooked up like it was an arcade machine. And before we had one, like you could play it there for a quarter and stuff and rent video games. Just all that stuff that is just so, just so neat, <laughs> you know, because obviously video games are still around, but that specific arcade style is uh, very rare now. And the part of uh, having people watching and commenting, that that's different than doing it personally at home right. I mean, kind of that's a very personal thing and uh the reaction that you would get in arcades yeah that's that's a whole different flair to video gaming and uh yeah and it's neat too they don't they don't shy away too from the because uh, it's just a big part of video game culture is people getting mad at video games <laughs> and they don't shy away from that there's even it's like a plot point later on where uh she, the girl Ono, moves to America. She's gone for like two years, and the whole time he's practicing Street Fighter Two because she's his great rival, and he never can beat her. I guess he did in that first episode, but other, after that, never, never again. So when she gets back, it's like a big thing. Like, I'm finally going to... They end up going on a school trip, and they both sneak off, and independently they they enter a Street Fighter Two tournament, and they realize they're both in the tournament and they make it to the finals, and they're the youngest kids there, but they make it to the end. And he does manage to beat her just barely, but then he finds out that the person using her machine right before her, when he lost, he started smashing the cabinet, and he broke a bunch of the buttons. So they find out afterward, like he just barely won, but then the people running the tournament are like, what the heck, half of these buttons aren't working. You know, that contestant, she so, didn't say so, anything. So she would have won. Oh, she would have kicked his ass. <laughs> yeah, so, so they even worked that into the plot, kind of. That It's like, it's such a strange setup, too, with how she never speaks. Because that period where she's in America, there's another girl who gets interested in, in this dude. But it's like at the opposite, where she doesn't know anything about video games. And she's trying to get into them because she wants this guy to pay attention to her. But all he cares about is video games. He's just so oblivious. But it's funny that even though she's a normal character who speaks, it's uh, it's just it's not the same, you know? It's like when Ono comes back, it's like, ah, there you go. There's the people with the weird connection. Even My though she life's never talks. complete. <laughs> yeah. And as far as I remember, I mean, I don't think she ever talks. <laughs> it's just what a, weird, what a weird setup. But anyway, yeah, I just thought that's kind of a neat show. And the other thing I wanted to bring up that I think is just kind of neat about that too is... 
you know, there's differences. The arcade machines look different. Uh, the, you know, they called it the Turbo Graphics in this, but to them it was the PC Engine. It looked different. Just everything's like little differences. The uh, Nintendo was called the Famicom there, which was short for Family Computer. <laughs> so like, because I was like, the Super Famicom sounded so much cooler than Super Nintendo. But you know, but little differences. But basically, the youth of a kid in Japan and a kid here are weirdly similar. And I always just thought that was kind of neat. Like, it's one of those things that I guess I was always aware of, but I, I felt it more when I finally visited Japan of this weird thing where obviously, you know, America and Canada are essentially the same and Canada and England close enough. You know, we all had similar upbringings. But then Japan, it's so strange that as a kid, I wouldn't even say we really got any British stuff, really. Just American TV and Japanese. Like... There's so few other examples. There's stuff like, I guess, the Smurfs was Belgian or whatever, but very rare. But as you get, like, like I didn't realize video games were from Japan when I was little, and I didn't realize half of the cartoons were from Japan, and you start to piece it together, and then it's just weird. It's like, of all the countries in the world, I just have no connection to any of them. I don't know anything about Brazil. I don't know anything about New Zealand. I don't know anything about Russia. I just, you know, none... And when I was a kid, it was all just other places but japan literally half of the shit that all of the kids of my generation and even after with pokemon and stuff is all video games and anime it's like this one little country that's like the size of california or whatever was half of my youth and it's just so weird like why why this one place why especially did... since it's, it's a country that well the orient the whole orient is completely different in culture right than we are yeah yeah like the yeah. only reason that I have this kinship with Japanese stuff of the 80s and 90s is because they fed it to me, <laughs> you know? It's like they went out of their way to really try to... And I guess there's the thing where, like, Japan is uh, very insular. Like, they have their own comics and their own TV and their own movies and their own video games. They don't really care so much about the outside, so they have these very unique things. But it's just it's strange that it that it came so, so much of it came to North America. And it's just so neat that a guy from Japan, who's my exact same age and me, you know, we just have this same upbringing. Like the little differences are, you know, minor compared to like Splatterhouse. Holy crap. I remember when Splatterhouse came out and Street Fighter 2 really was this like revolution that rejuvenated arcades and brought them back. And like, it was the same in both countries. And it was neat being in Japan, well, I guess a good example, like when I was traveling around, is right before that, I was in the Netherlands. And in the Netherlands, I look exactly like everybody else. It's all just full of tall white people. I looked exactly like a Dutch person, but I didn't feel like I fit in there because they have kind of this monoculture that's just odd. You know, it wasn't bad, but just little things felt different. Where in Japan, I didn't look like anybody, but I felt like I fit in way better because everywhere I go, I'm seeing posters and shops and things that are just selling things that I remember and that I know. And it's just kind of cool. I don't know why Japan did that, but I'm glad that they did, <laughs> you know? And speaking of that, just the one last little thing I wanted to show you. So speaking of video games, when video games came into our house, I remember uh, my dad had this, it was a pretty genius plan, is he told us we were going to rent a Nintendo for Christmas, because we'd done that once or twice before. You rent video games for a week and then return them. So his plan was he was going to buy a Nintendo and pretend that he rented it. So when the week was up, 
instead of returning it, it was going to be like, haha, guess what? We actually own this Nintendo. Bow, bow, bow. But that was whatever, 1987 or so. Nintendos were at the peak of popularity and you couldn't get them. They were sold out everywhere. So instead, he got a Sega, which was, you know, the like way second place, not even close to as popular as a Nintendo. So he told us like, this is what I was going to do. This was my cool plan. But it didn't work because I couldn't get a Nintendo. But I was still like, wow, that's pretty. It was a, that would have been a great plan. But it worked out better in the end because later we got a Nintendo. Everybody had a Nintendo. But having a Sega was so cool because it was more rare. To this day, it's hard to find people that had Sega. But when I was a kid, uh, you know, my friend Terry, my friend Jay, like I met these people who had Sega. That's why I met them. And we were like the Sega kids. And it's just this cool extra wrinkle because Sega was weirdly popular in Europe and in Brazil, but nowhere else. Even in Japan, it wasn't really that popular. So it's just this neat extra. Not only did uh, you know, I have this connection to video games, but the, the subculture of Sega even more so was just a cool thing. So when I went to Japan... Uh, my first Airbnb, I didn't know much about Tokyo, was this place near this place called Ikebukuro I'd never heard of because I heard of the big places, Shibuya and Shinjuku. And it turns out Ikebukuro is like the smaller version of those places. It's got all the same stuff, but just way less crowded and way less huge. So I actually ended up really liking it. But I was walking down the street in Ikebukuro and it's like just brand new to Japan. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And I walked past this place. Bum, bum, bum. I was like, what the hell is that? It's a Sega arcade that takes up the entire block. And it was so cool because it was like I was in some alternate reality where Sega was actually popular, you know, <laughs> where Sega was the thing and not Nintendo. And it just blew my mind. I was like, holy shit, this is so cool. But sort of like that episode of High Score Girl where they uh, go to the Phantom Arcade this Sega arcade, it held on for 30 years. It held on just long enough for me to go to Japan, for me to see it. It's gone now. During the pandemic, all the Sega arcades either got shut down or bought by different companies. So I got in at the last possible chance to have that experience of seeing this long forgotten, I mean, Sega just, Sega wasn't popular ever. <laughs> they did for a little while with the Genesis and Sonic a little bit, but then that receded too. Sega hasn't been anything important in North America in decades. So to see the Sega arcade, I was like, holy crap, this is the coolest thing ever. And uh, yeah, and it just, you know, reminded me of that, that old story of the old Christmas where we were supposed to get a Nintendo, but fate gave us a Sega instead. And I was like, man, that's just, that's just cool. <laughs> And then, as you can see here, walking around through the arcade, it's just, just neat that this stuff still exists in Japan, you know? Like, this is so hard to find in North America. The only times you ever see arcades now is uh, maybe at a movie theater, they might have a few. There's a thing that's kind of gotten popular called a barcade, where it's just a bar where you go in and buy drinks and the arcade machines are free. And it's kind of, to my generation, that's kind of cool. There's one in Toronto, I went to one in Brooklyn. And, uh, and the only other thing is I went to like a, a video game expo, it's called the Penny Arcade Expo, and they had like an arcade set up. So it's like, hey, you remember arcades? <laughs> but it's basically gone. So it's nice that uh, not only did Japan give, uh, give North America all that cool stuff in the 80s and the 90s, 
but it's still there, <laughs> you know? If you still wanna go see an arcade, all you gotta do is take a horrifyingly expensive flight all the way around the world, and there you go. <laughs> so anyway. But it doesn't exist anymore, this one. This one, yeah, I think uh, the one in, there's one in Akihabara that they just changed the name. It's called the uh, Giko building or something. It's not Sega anymore. I'm not sure about this Ikebukuro one. I don't know what happened to it. But there is still a Taito arcade too. Taito made uh, Space Invaders. And I saw that one actually before the Sega one. So I was like, whoa. But then down the street was the Sega one. I was like, whoa. <laughs> so yeah, Sega, the labeling is gone, but these places are still around. So, you know, man, it's crazy too. Like they've gotten so, uh, again, like kind of bringing to the future where there was this, uh, I think there's one in this arcade. I'm like, cause these are like five floors. There's like huge. There were these machines where it's like you're sitting in like a mech. So you sit in the chair and there's like eight of them. So all eight people are in their chairs, piloting their mechs, all playing the same game at the same time. And you have to buy like a card that you put money on that remembers your account information. Cause it's, we're well beyond putting coins in at this point, you know, it's like super duper. So, uh, yeah, to be honest, I didn't actually play that many video games while I was there. I just wandered around much like this YouTube video is doing. But I mean, even just that was like, whoa, <laughs> like, so cool. <laughs> so anyway, there we go. High score girl. Just again, cause you know, we got a, a bigger thing planned for next week. So that was just a quick little, uh, let's just watch that. Hmm. Okay, well, it was very interesting, very enlightening. Well, this guy gave you a flash from the past that obviously people of your generation who were into this stuff, um, you really related to it. Well, there's two, I guess. So this guy doing the uh, Dance Dance Revolution, like these dance pad games. Like that's another example too of I'd kind of heard that that was a thing that existed and then I saw one in Montreal in like 2003. I was in Montreal to see wrestling and that's the first time I saw the dance games and some people dancing around and it's just like, whoa. <laughs> so yeah, it is kind of a shame that, that that experience doesn't really happen anymore because arcades just kept dwindling around here. But even all the way up to then, to like the mid-2000s, there were still these new things happening people got very personal though once you it's it was like it's like uh personal computers when you have them at home you stop going to the movies yeah when you have your video games right at home you stop going out and having that that experience of sharing with other people or having other people involved in what you're doing and looking on and making 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 comment you're kind of creates an isolationism as opposed to yeah actually getting off your duff and going somewhere to do this and it's one of the things i mean it comes up all the time with everything now that we're in the internet world that uh tv shows and movies and music it all felt a little more valuable when it was harder to get and it was super that way with video games like you had to go to the arcade and put in actual money like it was really important to not lose because that cost you <laughs> you know especially as a kid how much how many quarters could you have oh yeah and the other thing that was amazing too i mean technology is kind of evened out now where you know games at home if anything are better than what's in an arcade but there was a while there in the late 80s and early 90s where going to the arcade it was like seeing into the future because the games in the arcade were more advanced than the games at home. So just for a, a, a mere quarter, you could like time travel of like, this is what video games at home are going to be like two years from now, but we get to see it now. Whoa. <laughs> and then of course there was stuff like, I don't know. I just remember one time I, 
I bought a, at the Brookside Mall, I bought like a video game magazine and had it in a little plastic bag and I just put it down next to the arcade machine while I was playing because I'm just trusting. I didn't, and then I am in my video game zone and once I lost all my money, I looked down and somebody had stolen it and I'm like, ah, son of a bitch, I should have seen that coming. But, you know, like, it's just, I wouldn't do that to somebody, but of course all these no good nicks at the uh, the mall arcade, probably again wearing jean jackets and smelling vaguely of smoke, they'll steal the dude's <laughs> magazine. So, you know, there's obviously memories like that too, that just, uh, it's like, it wasn't all good, but that's the price, I guess, of getting in there with the rabble. <laughs> but that was also kind of my, uh, I kind of got to do my suite of, uh, of like jobs that I was wanted to have. You know, I worked at a comic store, I worked in a movie theater, I even worked in a porn shop for a while. I never got to work at an arcade because they just weren't around anymore. But that would have been, that's like the only one really of just these like jobs that are more fun than they are jobs that I didn't get to do. So that's a shame, but but well, unless I time travel. If you could go to Japan and get a job there maybe you could work in an arcade there yeah <laughs> yeah i guess that's my only chance right that'd be a pretty weird reason to move to japan <laughs> but but I, yeah no i think i just i'm willing to let that one go but uh it can live on in the memory and in in the art of shows like uh <laughs> like high score girl we get to remember remember the cigarette soaked people yelling at you the high points of growing up yeah well i even love too, even just like the stupid little details of broken machines like he that one machine where the the joystick's broken and some of the buttons are missing because here usually the machines they weren't outdoors for one thing and they weren't as visually messed up but that's like one of those things i'd forgotten about like oh yeah you put in your money and you start playing a game and you realize that when you press up and right on the joystick nothing happens or one of the buttons only works every fifth time you press it and you're like who who's managing this shitty arcade but it's like oh yeah i forgot like that was again one of the risks of public property is like you put in your money and you take your chances yeah and like i was saying at the start too at least for us it was a quarter unless the game was like super duper brand new it was very rare for a game to be 50 cents but man those poor poor japanese kids like that was normal 50 cents was normal a dollar was normal and it's just like yikes like they really they really did uh earn it sort of more than us <laughs> man <laughs>